what's up and welcome to another episode of black in the maritimes i'm fidel i'm hillary i'm clinton and we have a special guest today uh from halifax which is a lovely city it's a very beautiful city i think it's one of my favorite cities in canada uh we have a lifestyle blogger she's also a pharmacy student kem steema welcome to the show Thank you so much for having me. Thank you for being with us. That's a nice background that you have. Like, that's a pretty cool decoration <laughs> thing going on. If you could Thank see. you. So people can see it on our YouTube video. So uh, let's start back. Uh, like, where are you from? Where did you grow up? So I'm originally from Kenya. I was born and raised in Nairobi. Um, sort of stayed there until about the age of 10, 11 moved to another country in the southern part of Africa, which is called Zambia. And I stayed there for pretty much my entire middle school, high school years, and then came to Canada back in 2010. So Kenya, they tell me it's a beautiful country there in Nairobi as well. You mentioned three beautiful places in Africa. Uh, So tell us how was your living as a child there, like in Kenya and Nairobi and those places? Oh yes, it's definitely I miss home all the time. It's so beautiful. I can't I can't like you have to visit it. If you ever go to Africa, make sure Kenya is on your bucket list. <laughs> um so first of all, the weather is amazing. It's just like we're on the equator, so we have the best weather. <laughs> uh it's warm all year round pretty much and it gets cool, but not like cool freezing not not degrees. minus 20 27 <laughs> no. 32 right so no when it's like 16 degrees we're like oh my gosh it's like freezing and, and things like that um but yeah i grew up pretty much in a middle class family uh two parent home uh i had three older brothers honestly can't complain i had a i'd say a pretty good childhood so i mean and for people that don't know uh because you just said yeah that didn't quite so uh Zambia is like next to Malawi. I mean, not it's it's not directly together. I mean, Kenya is a little bit far from Zambia, uh, to my understanding. So, what what was the move? Why did you why did your parents move from Kenya to Nairobi and then Zambia? I know Nairobi is like in Kenya. If I'm not, it's like right. Yeah, Nairobi is the capital city of Kenya. Yeah, yeah, so it's like capital city. Yeah, yeah. So, so so Nairobi is the capital. So, what made you what makes what was the move from Kenya to Zambia? Uh, so my, my mom got a job, um, with the Kenyan embassy, so they moved <laughs> and we were there for a long time. Yeah. Oh, well, and how long you lasted there? Um, I think till I was about 18, 19, like right before I came to Canada. Okay. So that's, uh, so mm-hmm. you did high school and you did, uh, do you, mm-hmm. so what but, was, yeah. on how is school there like i know like if i'm from latin america right so it's a very mm-hmm. uniforms are a thing same thing in africa which i remember like uniforms are a thing schools like girls schools and boys schools were, were a thing uh how was that how was the the school uh environment like there yeah so uh, strangely enough actually the school that i went to um was an international school a lot of international schools don't do the uniform thing I'm not sure why, but local schools pretty much do the uniform thing. So we wore like home clothes every day um, and we had a range of like diverse students. Um, and it was high school was one of the best experiences. I had a lot of fun and <laughs> still have friends from high school too that I keep in touch with to this day. Got wild, the drinking, all the parties. Oh, you know, just the, the stupid things that you do when you're a teenager. 
what what kind of girl will like you in school? Like, were you like the the the, the girl that would talk to the fashion girl, the gossip girl, or yeah. the, like quiet one? So I was like the the nerdy girl, the the nerd, but like who loved to party in fashion. It's, it was weird. Like it was just it was like I was two opposite people because like in class I was this you know, grew up in like, probably like, I swear every black household, like you come home. It's like, my mom was the type of person who I come home and let's say I bring in 86%, which is a pretty good grade. And then she'll ask me what the highest in the class was. And then I'll be like, Oh, 93%. And then she'll ask me whether we were in the same class or like <laughs> just different things like that. So like the expectation was, these are the grades we should bring home. So, and she'd always tell me, I remember I never used to like math. And she always used to tell me, but you're so good at math. He's like, you're so good at math. And she told me that until I actually believed I was good at math. And then it became a favorite subject. It was a weird way, but somehow it, it worked. <laughs> and so my grades were pretty good and I was very studious. So it, it kind of translated when I came to Canada as well. So when in university, it was, I used to go out a lot with my friends and everything, but like I was always on the dean's list. <laughs> I just, oh, wow. So that's, yeah that's pretty dope so so okay so you know it's uh i don't know if if you heard the show before but we usually talk about uh like it's like the childhood experiences and uh and it's kind of a different environment when you are surrounded by black people like it's just a normal thing uh than what other experiences when you're like the only black person <laughs> there's, there's a difference yes celery is one like but it's kind of cool to hear those stories because it's uh it, it it's it brings a familiarization that that experiences are different that's the first thing and the second thing is is that you know when you are when things are kind of normal you don't really think that there's a difference, right? Because it's just like, a, mm-hmm. it's, it's the normal day. So, so you get in and what makes you come to Canada? Like out of all places. I know it was super random because I actually went to St. John, New Brunswick. <laughs> um, I know like seriously. Um, so, okay. Being an international school, it was sort of like customary that a lot of colleges and universities would always like bring pamphlets or just different things around. Um, so I initially wanted to go to the U.S. I wanted to go to Miami, like because better I mean, weather, beaches. <laughs> and come on. Yeah, come it's on Miami, now. and you know, I was TV watching MTV, and I just I wanted to go to Miami and you know live live life. <laughs> um, I'd picked up my university and everything. So then I graduated high school. I was 16 years old, and I was super excited. And then my dad had recently come back from the states, and a family friend of ours that was there. Um, they moved there, I think, a few years ago, and like his family friends were from church, and it's so funny because they they basically went and got in brackets quotes like spoiled, like started living like the American life or whatever he went to call it, living the dream. And so he came back, and then he was like, "Yeah, no, she's not going. <laughs> like this is this is not going to happen to her." So that's how I ended up not even leaving the country that year because they were like, "Okay, no, you're too young." So going to stay and and do IB and get more mature and we'll let you like leave the country. So for those of you who don't know, IB is basically, it's a two-year diploma. It's called International Baccalaureate. So that's what I ended up staying and doing after high school. And that was in uh, in, in Zambia? In Zambia. That was in Zambia Mm -hmm. as well? Oh, wow. So so your dad went to the US and what what was the thing that he didn't like? I mean, what was it like? He was like, what the hell? Because he found these adorable 
family friends of ours that were singing in the choir and like at church and different things like that. And now he came and he didn't like the way they were dressing and they were going out and it just it's like it was yeah. So it was more <laughs> of a, like, was... A, like a social like a like like a cultural social type of thing. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Oh wow, wow, that's uh, that's quite <laughs> interesting to say that. I mean, uh, uh, don't get me wrong, like the first thing that when in the u.s that i was like shocked to see uh was a show called 16 and pregnant i was like oh yeah. why would they put this in tv <laughs> <laughs> i was like I, rem- I, rem- I remember that show and i was like uh i mean I, this is this, this doesn't seem right like you you kind of glorifying this thing but anyways but i i i could definitely see that so Two years in, in you took international bachelor, which is like business. It's like a business degree or some some type of thing. Or what exactly? No, inter- international baccalaureate. It's a diploma. It's like A levels. Okay. So yeah, it's so you do like, all courses. It's it's like uh, upgrading all of your courses to be like university preparatory, from my understanding. Because like we have that here at some high schools that you can go and take like IB level and it's basically like a university level, but you're not in the university setting yet. Yeah. Me and my brother did that here in this country, yeah, yeah. but that's not awesome. like, yeah. we don't have a whole two year program, but my dad, who's in forced my brother to do it. So same yeah. vibe, same vibe. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, and it's, wow. and it's awesome too. Cause when you do it, you can actually, um, defer a lot of your first year university courses. So what ended up happening for myself was, when I came to UNB, um, and then I didn't know that at the time. It was only later on when I found out when I already started the semester. So I was like, uh, you know what? I, I was like, I don't really know what university is like. So I'm just going to do these courses and transition into second year instead of deferring them. And honestly, I feel like that's kind of how first year, this is, it sounds a bit cocky to say, but it was like a breeze for me because I basically had done everything in IB. So I just... I was out. I was a girl that was out Friday, Saturday, Sunday. Like I was out every single weekend. <laughs> but like the GPA at the end of the year was four point two. Like <laughs> nice. <laughs> and it was because of IB. Like IB actually really does prepare you for university a lot. Okay. So there you go. Yeah. If you're international, do that IB. I mean, I, I, I basically the internet was my IB for me when I like I was the, one of the first kids in the internet. So I was like, okay, you can get the homework here. <laughs> I'll do this all day every day so yeah. you do this and how did you decide to go to you St. John's New Brunswick was it your decision or was it like this is like I need to get out of here this is the first thing I'm out yeah so what happened was um one of my friend's older sisters she was at the university before and then so her dad they're very close family friends of ours her dad when he came for the graduation, his base, his words, he came back to Zambia and then came, told my mom, told my parents, like, oh, wow, like, you know, I, I visited the place and it's such a small town. Like, it's like a little village in the middle of nowhere. I think we should send the kids there and they'll focus and there wouldn't be any distractions. <laughs> and then the next thing I knew, I was in St. John, New Brunswick, me and my friends we were sent so, there. <laughs> so, so they were right. They were right and wrong at the same time. So that's definitely that. That's definitely good. So, okay, what was your first uh, thought when you landed in St. John? Like when you first so landed, I never forget. Yeah, I came May first, two thousand and ten, and I remember 
first I was freezing and I remember I was wearing like a scarf and a winter jacket and I had boots on and then the girl who picked us up from the airport had shorts on and a tank top and like slippers and I was like thinking in my head what's wrong with these people like what's <laughs> and then so I was really freezing and then then we were driving from the airport in St. John to where we were staying for that night all I could see was trees and like bush and it just looked like I don't know like a scene from like a horror movie and then the next day I called my mom and I was crying on the phone for an hour straight and I was like I want to come back home I hate this place I don't want to be here <laughs> please send me home and then she was like no like no you know you just landed like just take a few days and whatnot and all these things and then so we were okay fine so the next day we went around, they showed us downtown and the university and everything. I called my mom, same thing. I want to come back home. <laughs> and every single day for like, I think the month I'd always call clients and just be like, I want to come back home. I want to come back home. But yeah, that was my initial impression. <laughs> oh my. So they, it, it definitely wasn't, uh, it, 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 it was a cultural shock for you because mm-hmm. of you're used to it. So and and I want to kind of emphasize this, uh, and people that hear us, they know, but uh, when university students coming Monk- to Moncton, to New Brunswick, uh, mainly they're French, because it's a French university, uh, if they call if they call from that Francophone, so they come from places like Senegal, uh, Congo, uh, Cote d'Ivoire, things like that. Uh, when they go to St. John, it's English, which is Nigeria. Zambia, South Africa, not a lot of South Africans, very, very little people from South Africa, but they do, they're, they're quite. Uh, so how was the community when you came here? Like, the, the, was there a lot of people that you could relate to? Was there, or was it like just a little people or there was just like nobody from, that you could kind of. Yeah, so I was really, I was super grateful that I came here with um, essentially my best friend. And so we had each other. So we we're like, oh, even if we don't make friends, we have each other. Like, we're good. <laughs> so um, then we met, like, the Black community. And it was predominantly Nigerian. There were a few Kenyans. Um, I think about two Zambians. Like, it was kind of a mixture of different places. But, um, yeah, assimilated pretty quickly. And, yeah, it was, it was pretty good. I mean, the Black community in St. John was very, very small at the time. Like, over the years, it's grown. But at the time, it was like we basically knew everyone. So if there was a new black person in town, everybody was like, "Who's that?" <laughs> and that's kind of kind of funny because Saint John has the longest black uh, Canadian community in New Brunswick. That's where they oh. mostly are. Yeah, there's black settlers that were in Saint John, and and in Saint John, you you will probably uh, which is it's a it's a bit odd, and we probably will have to get somebody like Neil or Matthew or. Uh, those guys that it's kind of odd because the black people from St. John don't really, uh, some of them do, some of them don't, they don't, they don't uh, get with Africans or African culture uh, just because they've been there their whole life. And it's a, it's a different type of thing, but yeah, I do, I do get where you're coming from and you've like, not like Moncton, that Moncton is a different place. St. Frederick has a a couple of black loyalists as well. Uh, But uh, but yeah, I, I certainly saw that. Like, um, they they never really mixed with us. Like, it it was pretty, like, well, I mean, which I found really strange. Yeah. 
when you see black people that listen to Conway Twitty and the other people are doing like the Santo, it's like, what the fuck? Like, they're two different things. That's one of the things that we, we kind of focus. It's like, for example, I, a lot of people here in Moncton, they spoke to me in French. And I was like, I don't know any French. They thought I was from somewhere in Africa. And mm-hmm. I was like, mm-hmm. uh, no, no, uh, I'm not. And they're like, oh, you're from Halifax. I'm like, no, 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 no. <laughs> I'm, 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 I'm from the Dominican Republic. So it's like, oh, okay. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, that that's that. It, it's a. I think the difference is the culture. Like again, we we're black, but that doesn't mean we're all the same, and we have different cultures, different aspects. We don't even speak the same language at sometimes, and we mm-hmm. we got that. So, how long you lasted in New Brunswick? Uh, so I was there. Um, graduated in 2014, and then I was I I left in I think 2017, 2018. Oh wow! So you just you 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 lasted close to five years, six, seven, six, six, seven, seven years. years, seven years. Yeah. So if you could like compact your life in St. John, what what would you say it was, or how it was? Um, it's definitely where I met like my lifelong sisters. Um, so um, I met some really good group of people, and we were there through everything and we sort of after graduating some of us stayed some of us left and others went to europe to do their masters or different experiences and we're now like we're not even all together now but we're still very very close to each other and like i was really excited that when i got married about a year ago they were able to come all the way to kenya and so it was really cool to have them and show them my country and have my wedding and do there's my bridesmaids and it was it was super fun oh wow that's super cool i mean Again, mm-hmm. I, I, I definitely want to go. They say that they have, they have nice beaches in Kenya, so that's something that I would like to experience at one point. So I, I have a personal. How do I went to St. John? A buddy of mine came from the U.S. and not the best time to take somebody out, but because of COVID. Uh, but I took him out and we went to Fredericton, St. John, and stuff like that. And St. John has a it's a lot of Irish pubs and things mm-hmm. like that. How do black yeah. people party there? Like, like what did you guys do? <laughs> we so we had a lot of house parties for sure. And then we'd go to the infamous Canterbury. I don't know if it's still a thing right now. It's called Canterbury. And then there was I asked this that place it's, it's called, not there. It's not there anymore. It's not there. Right. Okay. So there was another place called Three Mile or Tonic. I used to go there and like whatever we would see like oh there's a black teacher or just always go and request songs or different things like that but we but you never catch me dead at like one of those Irish pubs but they were so popular with like the white community I remember like everyone in my class that would be there Thursday nights loyal one time I went actually did try and go out and I just I was like what is this like the music the vibe there's just <laughs> yeah it wasn't working. Like, this is, I'll tell you a blunt memory for me. Like, when I got here, I i i still sort of, I do club promoting or event promoting and, and event organizing. Um, and the shocker for me was that I went to the clubs here and all the black people were in the back, like, just watching other people. And I was like, mm-hmm. nobody's dancing. What's happening? Uh, until they actually open uh, a an African club here, or we could call it that. Uh, uh, shout out to Isaac. Uh, and all the black people are dancing. <laughs> like They're <laughs> dancing, they're, they're going at it, they're corn. And it's like, and, and, and it make you understand that like what people were playing was that they couldn't relate to it. Mm-hmm. 
mm-hmm, like, mm-hmm. like for example the first time i saw the first time here people dancing to country music for me was like what the fuck is this <laughs> what is happening why are they dancing to kid rock like why why is mm-hmm. this a thing so so yeah I, I could definitely understand why the house party so so it looked like it was a tight community so there wasn't there was an ecosystem because of the university oh yes for sure i feel like to this day, university is probably the easiest way to make friends. It's so hard when you leave and you go to a new place and try and make friends or like build a community in that sense. But I remember some of the times we'd actually drive to to Moncton because that was like a big city to us in Colts and, mm-hmm. and we'd, go and party, we'd go and party there because we had better clubs and better music. Yeah, we, we, we try. That's, that's, that's all I can say. Uh, yeah. But I mean... That's that's pretty cool. I mean, that that's pretty cool that you had an ecosystem, and and I guess that's the that's that's the take from it that the ecosystems are important, especially when you when you have people that can relate mm-hmm. to you. What do you think was the toughest part uh, of of being in Saint John, like for all that time? Um, I think it was probably like being aware that I was black. It's, I don't, it's, it sounds weird to say, but like. <laughs> I wasn't aware that I was black till I got here. You know, it, it's weird. I don't know. So t- tell us about that because I, I think I think that's something that we 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 get like when you were aware, like because we say that you don't understand you're black till somebody tells you that you're black. <laughs> somebody mm-hmm. is gonna tell you that, like, oh, you're not from here, or you don't look like somebody from here. Do you remember that particular experience? Because we all get it, but it, it's in different yeah, aspects. Yeah. Yeah. I can't say I remember the exact experience that made me realize that, but just different things, like even like when we're in class, for instance, trying to, and then a lot of the times, because it was like UNB was the biggest university in St. John, but it's it's a small university relative to other universities in Canada. And the Black community at the time was really, really not big. And so in sciences, there was only like a couple of us. So when you go to a class and then there's like a hundred students and there's one of you, <laughs> that sort of thing, or two of you. So when those two of you, at least you know, okay, you're good. But then when you when it's time to like find group work, it's 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 weird because it's like you almost get people sort of like just judging you because they think, oh, maybe you're not going to be able to pull up pull up your work or hold your end of the group like when you're doing group work. So nobody kind of wants to be in a group with you or like do you be a lab partners or different things like that. And then when you are in a group with them, the audacity is that they get surprised that sometimes you're even better than them and bring more contribution. It's just baffling to me. Yeah, it's like, oh my God, we've never seen a smart black person. It's like, it, <laughs> it, 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 is, it is kind of crazy. Like, uh, uh, and again, it happens, like when I bring my son to basketball practice, I'm the only black guy there. And I'm like, wow. And I, I, I don't... Uh, I don't pay attention to it anymore because I'm like I I'm, I understand the 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 thematic, but when people ask you questions or they see like what do you do, and if you don't tell them that you're not working at a call center, they're like, whoa, what the hell? Like like mm-hmm. black people work at the call center, at Nordia, mm-hmm. which mm-hmm. is like, <laughs> oh my gosh, yeah, yeah. Also, so yeah. that's the thing too in St. John. I didn't know that was the thing. Was, oh yeah, that, yeah, that that is a thing. It's weird. Like it's. <laughs> It's weird, but I never worked at Nordia myself, but I, I didn't know a lot of people that did, especially the thing is with international students, like after you graduate and you're trying to figure out what you're doing, the next step, the, mo- the next step most of the time or 90% of the time is to get your permanent residency. So a lot of people may not hire you without permanent residency, like to get like a 
um, corporate type of job sometimes. So a lot of, and then in St. John, because there's not a lot of job, the, the job market is not the best. So you end up getting these call center jobs so you can work for a year and then apply to get your permanent residency. So a lot of people end up doing like going that route. So that's what I actually did too. But I lasted, I think, a month in the call center. And then I went to another call center, lasted two weeks. And I was like, okay, I know that's it. Let me just find something in healthcare. Yeah, I think well, that was... I for my permanent residency. Yeah, that's that's what I heard too. Because I, I uh, when I get that, I was like, wow, they that's the only place that I actually saw a lot of black people was in 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 the call in a call in that call in that particular call center. And I was mm-hmm. like, whoa, what's happening? They were all French, and I'm like, why why is everybody here? And it's because of the permanent residence and all that and all mm-hmm, that jazz. Mm-hmm. So so you managed to get well, you got the call center nightmare out of the way, and you. Did you study health? Is that what you wanted to become your whole life? You wanted to become like be some in healthcare? Um, yeah, so my whole life I knew I wanted to be in healthcare. Um, so initially my plan was to go to med school and become a doctor. I think it's also just sort of like the brainwashing of like a neotypical African child. What are the only jobs you can do? Engineer, doctor, lawyer, like <laughs> those those sort of things. So um, so anyway, so I did, I did my bachelor's, I got a degree in biology and then, um, my plan was to get my permanent residency, try and get an internship at a doctor's office, apply to med school. Yeah. Then I'm set. So then I got an internship at a doctor's office. So I was going with a plan and then I stayed there for the summer. And then I realized that it's so weird. I, ha- I don't like touching people. Like it's such a weird thing to say. <laughs> oh. Wait, wait, wait. <laughs> Why do you mean you don't wait. like touching people? <laughs> I don't know. I just, I, I, I don't. I have a weird thing. About, I didn't even know I had that thing until I did that internship at his office for the summer. And I was like, oh my gosh, I really don't like touching people. And then I remember I went that summer too. I had an appointment with my family doctor and I was having some neck issues. So I had to undress and, you know, he was like touching me on my neck and like trying to feel for stuff and I was like oh god I could never do this like like <laughs> so then I started rethinking everything and then I'd I'd written my MCATs at that point and then I was like oh my gosh I don't think I actually want to become a doctor I think I just wanted the title more than the actual job itself so then I was like okay I'm screwed what's what's next so I started looking into let me do a master's in public health because that's something I kind of wanted to do anyway so I was like meanwhile while I figure out my life let me try and get a job in healthcare so I looked for jobs in labs pharmacies and then I got a job as a pharmacy assistant at shoppers so I started working then before all I thought pharmacists did was count pills basically and then while working there I was like oh my goodness it's actually so much more clinical work than I expected so I really enjoyed it and that's what um, led me to wanting to become a pharmacist after working there so I was like let me look into this and then when I looked into what the application process was like I saw that they don't accept international students only permanent residents I was like oh crap okay so I guess I'm going to be here for a while until I get my permanent residence I can apply for pharmacy school why is that? Like, what? Why don't they take international students? I have no idea. And like, there's only in the whole of Canada, there's only ten pharmacy schools, and they all don't accept international students. And the and the it's actually super hard to get into because, like, at Dal, for instance, about six hundred apply every year from all over Canada, and then about two hundred get an interview, and then um, which is like a like 
um, it's called an MMI. And then if you're successful, about 90 to 100 students get in. Whoa. So, so you could become a doctor as an international student, which is like 20, 12 years or something like that. But you cannot become a pharmacist? Yeah. So, but, but even with medicine, it's like, although they, they accept international students, they normally have a, one seat or two seats at the most. Like, Oh, wow. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and considering that our country kind of lacks people in healthcare, you would think that they would be yeah. a bit more open to that. But it's, it, you, you know, it's a, uh, it, it's, it's a little bit odd that the healthcare system, and I get it. I, I get the fact that healthcare, you cannot just get anybody in because that does happen too. Like if you just open the floods, there could be a problem. But I think being that careful might be a, another problem in itself. So you had to wait till you became a permanent resident to pursue this. So what, what, what goes through the timeline? So like you, you are in St. John's, you finish your, your bachelor's, which is what you do. And how long are you waiting after that to, to start pharmaceutical school? Um, so um, I think it was about, cause I had, I worked for like a year and a half and then I submitted my application and then my whole permanent residence application just took way longer than it normally does. So I think I waited for almost two years. And that's after working a year and a half because like they kept sending it back for like weird things that weren't even, I remember like the first time I put in my application, immediately they sent it back. And I was like, oh my goodness, like what's going on? And they were like, I didn't order this stuff right. And I was like, what do you mean? So you have the application and you have your supplemental information, like your passports, driver's license, and just different things like that, copies of the IELTS exam. Um, and so I had put them in, in the order they asked, but in between the application. So they told me I was supposed to put them in the back of the application. So I asked, so there's nothing missing from the application, but you just want me to take these documents and put them at the back of the application. And they were like, yes. <laughs> wow. Yeah. So like, so they, so, so they sent it back to me, I think about two, three times for like, nothing's actually missed, just like weird things, like things that didn't make sense to me. But, and the, you know, the problem is every time they send it back, when it, when you send it back to them, it goes, it doesn't go back to where it was. It, like there's other people ahead of you now. Oh my God. So you lasted two years where you, you were just waiting for that. So you were in St. John, just living your life, just working late in the day by day. Uh, mm-hmm. Hillary, you worked at Shoppers forever. How's that like? Uh, <laughs> let's see. I guess it's been long enough now that I won't go back. So I can say that it wasn't like that great. <laughs> it wasn't that great. Um, I'm, I find it very interesting that you said that you, but pharmacy is very different. I feel like before the pandemic, the pharmacy was where you wanted to be because you were away from the people and the stuff. Um, But I worked there. It was my very first job at the age of 14. And I was there up until last year. Um, It paid for my university. It paid for my books. And then it gave me all of my free skincare and all of my makeup technique but dealing with the public is still dealing with the public. And I have heard many horror stories from the pharmacy about people like you don't like touching people, but I've also seen people show pharmacists some stuff that they're not supposed to be showing pharmacists. But I also do have a a great respect for pharmacists because now I know that they are basically 
they're basically doctors, just not in a doctor's office and that they know so much and have so much information. Um, but I wouldn't, I wouldn't necessarily be rehired from shoppers. I will now share the little fact though, that the, the owner of shoppers drug mart is from Shidiac. <laughs> so <laughs> just shout out to Shidiac because that's who owns shoppers at the moment. Oh, wow. The CEO. Yeah. Jeff Legier. Oh, He's from Shidiac. He knows my my second grade teacher. Um, I met him once. Yeah. I didn't know Chesh was from (laughs) Shidiac. Yeah. (laughs) There you go. Don't tell him I say hi, I guess, now that I just talked to it. Oh, I've never actually actually met him, just like professionally on LinkedIn. (laughs) Yeah, same. same. Shoppers, come on, give us a sponsorship or not really out there. We don't care. Don't, don't, well, whatever. It is what it is. Anyways, uh, so can you tell us, like, because again, you were in St. John and I've been to St. John, and like, you're probably the only black person working in the pharmacy or oh, in, the sure. whole store, in the whole store. So, the whole, whole store, whole pharmacy. Yeah. So, does it ever come to you, like, 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 does somebody come with some bullshit when you were in the pharmacy? Like, because I, again, oh, always, always, I always got different reactions. Like, literally one time I remember, okay, but also it was mixed. So I can't say it was always, it was bad. It was, it was, it was funny and sad and nice and, and weird and angry at the same time. So some people would be like, like the black people when they see me there, they're like, like I see you, like that. I love that you're here, like type thing. And then, then older like white people, like this lady took my hands, and I don't like touching people, and she put them like this, and she was like, "I'm so glad you're here in Canada and you're safe." And I was like, "What? What do you?" I looked at her, I was like, "What do you mean?" Like, uh, she's like, "Where are you from?" And I was like, "From Kenya." Yeah, I'm so glad you're safe now. I was thinking, wait, Kenya doesn't have history of civil wars. Like, we, we're not at war. Like. I was living a fine life. I wasn't. <laughs> like I was, but yeah, it was weird. People really have a bad assumption of Africa. Let me just let me just say that. Like it's just like if you if you actually see Nairobi, it's so beautiful. So much you can see there, and like you can go on safaris and and you can even go on a hot air balloon ride and like see the wildlife down. It's pretty cool, and you'll see like elephants and giraffes and lions and so many things and leopards and good to the beaches where you have white sand and actual real beaches, not like the beaches that you find here. So many things to do. Yeah. And I think it's the, again, it's not just in, not just Africa, which Africa does have a a bad media. I think what, what I tell is that Africa has a bad PR rep, like, Mm -hmm. because we only seen like, uh, like world hunger, Somalia and the civil wars and stuff like that. But if you go to like Johannesburg, South Africa, you're like, whoa, what the hell? This is a huge city with, the, again, as every country, everybody has their own issues, which I, I don't know the first country, but we don't hear the problems that are in Sweden or Denmark or Norway, right? We don't hear those. So that's why we're like, okay, we don't, we don't know what's going on. But in, in Africa, it's, uh, they're like, okay, it's, uh, Slavery, poor people, hunger, and civil wars. That's that's, yeah. that's pretty much how. Yeah. And I think uh, right now with the, uh, I personally think that the coolest thing that's happening is that Afro beat movement that is kind of showing a different entertainment world in Africa, uh, which again, it's not everything, but it's the start. Also the digital money, uh, which the digital money in Africa is booming right now, which you don't find out in the States or, or any places. So that's kind of yeah. the and it's not even it's not even booming right now. It's been it's been there for the last several years, you know. 
like so it's but it, no it's yeah it, it's crazy it, it is yeah yeah crazy. like for example people don't understand that in most places in africa people don't use money they use their phones to pay and they've been using that mm-hmm. for years right and people mm-hmm. are like whoa what do you mean like we don't have that here i'm like yeah well they they have it because uh because necessity but that's being that's being showcased that this technology mm-hmm. is going backwards that they're using that technology to bring it to places like the states and even canada so mm-hmm. so that's something good to hear so you get into pharmaceutical school finally after two years of of getting that thing done so where did you land you land in halifax or where's the pharmaceutical school yeah. it's pharmacy school yeah in halifax yeah okay so you get there and you're in the bigger city now you're in the big city here like it's like yeah. oh my god because you're like <laughs> And and the funny thing is, is that people don't know the history of St. John. St. John is the oldest city in North America. Uh, It's older than New York City. It's older than Los Angeles. It's older than a bunch of cities. Uh, It was supposed to be the biggest city in New Brunswick, and it was supposed to be uh, the biggest city in Atlantic Canada. However, uh, certain people and politicians stopped that from happening to build their factories and stuff like that. And that that actually out. Got it. Everything it's to hell to Halifax. Go ahead. Can I ask a dumb question? Because you're educating me right now. Because I didn't know that, and I grew up in New Brunswick. Do you just mean that it was like the first, like that it's the first city listed as a city? Yeah, like a first city. Like, yeah. Okay. Like it's the first city. Like it's the, the, the buildings, you. the things. Like it's first. City. I had a moment of being like, but the land has always been here. Oh. What do you mean it's older <laughs> if the earth has always existed? But now je comprends. Thank you. Yeah, because remember, like uh, in, in I, I don't think people will remember like to a time when we think about New York, uh, New York City, we don't think that. Uh, New York City was, Manhattan was an island. So that was the thing. The boroughs of Brooklyn was something. Poughkeepsie was, they were different states. They weren't the same thing. And then we started, then things started going out. So that that's what happens. Uh, but yeah, but nevertheless, you, you get to the big city of Halifax and you're like, you've already been in New Brunswick for, for a minute now. So you're, you're quite, yeah. you're, what are you, are you relieved? Are you like, oh my God. Oh, I was, I was so, I was so done with New Brunswick. I remember, um, so when I put in my application and then my pharmacist, the co-workers was like, oh, like, you need to know that not everybody gets in on their first try. So just be prepared. She's like, I didn't get in on my first try. My GPA was also this, like a lot. It's nothing to do with how smart, like just, just be prepared. And I was like, no, me and God, we've talked this over. I have a plan. Like I'm getting in, I'm, I'm moving. <laughs> so then I gave in my notice at work, but I hadn't even gotten accepted into pharmacy school yet. So my boss was like, I, no, I'm not going to accept this notice. Just, you know, just in case, you know, you like, and I'm like, no, you don't understand. I'm leaving whether or not I get into pharmacy school. Like I'm leaving. I just, I can't stand this place anymore. And I prayed about it so much. I was like, God, please just, this is the direction you want me to go in. Like, I'm not applying again. Like, let me get in. So when I got in, I was so happy. My prayers were answered and I was like, peace, I'm out. So yeah, so then I came to pharmacy school and I was one of two, I think I was only one black girl at the time in the class. And then again, it's like, you know, I got so comfortable in my skin and I've not, I've never had this like, I don't know, problems or anything. So I didn't have the best experience in first year of pharmacy school because so we have this um, skip night thing that they do every year that every year in pharmacy does so 
uh, we're like a, a committee, a group of us, maybe like about 30 people. And then the whole class can write and participate in the skit. So, um, so you can write in the Google Doc uh, anonymously and like just put your ideas and things like that. So as people were developing the script for the play, there was a joke about Africa and I'm not a sensitive person, but when it comes to like certain issues, like I'm just like, okay, yeah, that's I cap it there. So it was something like something about the, the poor starving kids in Africa. I don't know. Some, like something in the, in, in those lines. I don't agree exactly what the joke was. So I remember that. So the next day when we were now reading the skit out loud and we're in the classroom and I was like, what the, like, I couldn't actually believe what was happening. <laughs> and I was like, this is what these people like think of me. Like, this is where I'm from. And my, I, I got so angry. Like, I, and I, my patience is like at a hundred. Like, so when I was just, I lost it. I was so angry. My blood was boiling. I started shaking because I'm not a person who gets angry. So when I get angry, I start shaking. And I was just like, should, should I say something? Should I not? If I don't say something, like it'll kill me. It's not right. If I do say something, I'll be like the sensitive black girl, like forever. And like, I just met these people. But I had to say something. So I put up my hand and I was like, I need you to take a joke out. Like right now, I don't think it's funny. That's where I'm from. Like, that's so messed up. Like, that's some racist shit right there. And then it got so awkward and everybody was so quiet. Like, oh my goodness, I don't know who put this in there. And like, blah, 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 blah. And like the fact that I had even had to say it, like, and no, no one said anything before, you know, it's like, so even if you didn't write it, you didn't say anything either. But... So they took the joke out and it became so awkward. And, and then that's when I really like in that moment, even though I've had other moments in New Brunswick, I, like that's where I was really aware of my blackness. I was super aware of my blackness and it was just, it made it so awkward to relate, to actually be friendly because I don't know what these people are thinking of me. And it was just, it was weird. So then I remember I complained to the school because I just, I didn't think it was right. And um, then I told them I'm, I'm having a hard time integrating with the class. I don't know why. And I've never felt black in my life like this. And um, so then they were like, oh, they, they empathize with me. And then their solution was to introduce me to the, there's a black, black students in healthcare group, like so med students, dentistry, nursing, pharmacy. So then I was like, okay, I said, I get that you don't really know what to do, but the fact that your solution about me integrating with the class is to introduce me to black people, like in other healthcare places, like I get that that's your only solution, but that's not right. So I went for one of the meetings and I felt like I was in like an AA meeting or something because it was like, oh, hi, I'm Karen in pharmacy. Hi, Cam. And then I talked about my struggles and I realized that they were all struggling through this, the same shit excuse my language. And I was just like, this is like, it's not right. It's insane. Like, I, I don't, I don't even know why it's a med student, same thing. Dentistry student, same thing. And then after that, more and more stuff just started happening. So I remember I was in, we were in a dermatology and then all the slides of all these conditions, and there's so many skin conditions you could possibly have. White, 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 every single thing. So I'm just like, so I used to go home at the end of the day, go on this thing called Visual DX and see what those conditions look like on black skin because they present differently. Jaundice doesn't show up the same on like black skin and white skin, just different things like that. So the next day I was like, why am I doing this? Like, this is, no, this is not right. So I complained again to the faculty. Like, this people are good. Like, they're going to get tired of me. <laughs> so two days later, the teacher had black people in her slides. 
And then I spoke to a fourth year black student who they seemed to, I don't know, there was also, he was also the only black person at the time in his class. And I was telling him of all the struggles I was having. And he basically had the same struggles. And he told me during that class, and he also complained about the same things. And it's sad that they said they would change it. And clearly they haven't because I'm like in first year, second year at this time. And that's a whole two years. And it was still the same thing. But yeah, so I mean, there's a lot of people in healthcare that are definitely having this or experiencing these problems, which is quite sad. So at the time we sort of like decided, okay, we need to start forming a group that'll help bring about change in the college of pharmacy. So one of the fourth year students at the time, her name is Afomia, um, decided to start this group, which is like the Dalhousie Student Pharmacy Society of the Equity and Diversity Committee. So I joined and some other people joined and I'm, so I've been in that group now for I think three years and I'm the fourth year director right now. And we've done so much, like we now recognize Black History Month as a college and Transgender Day of Awareness and just different things like that. We celebrate Chinese New Year. Um, we look through the orientation activities. We try to go through the syllabus and just incorporate different things and just make sure the college is racially aware. It's sad that we are the students who are doing that, but yeah. And I mean, that's being black in Atlantic Canada or the Maritimes. I mean, it's mm-hmm. it's, it's, it's not really just healthcare, business, uh, sports, uh, any type of industry that you can imagine. If you are mm-hmm. black or brown, you're going to have those issues because it's mainly white male led. That's this mm-hmm. pretty much. That's pretty much what it most. I would say 95% of the industries in this. Uh, then when you go to the women-led industries, like some of healthcare or beauty or things like that, then it's the white women. So there's like even and in the beauty industry, it's even worse because they don't even consider uh, different shades or different type of, of things. But yeah, that is that is basically what, uh, what life of being Black sometimes in Atlantic Canada is. Go ahead, Quentin. Just reflecting the same thing. Yeah, like that is what black in Atlantic Canada is like. That's what being black in Canada is like. North America, black in the Maritimes. That's kind of what this show is about, telling people what it's like to be black. And to me, the title can be ironic at times because uh, I've heard Fidel say this before, and I'm hearing you say it, Ken. When you came to Canada or North America, that's when you kind of realized you were black Um, in the sense that, Fidel, you're you're Dominican and Kim, you're you're Kenyan, but black is the title that we get here in North America to to indicate that we're different and we're not the same as everyone else. So that was really touching. And whether we want to or not, we you know we kind of have to be the educators. What you're doing is amazing. We did, I didn't know that about you until just now. The, the four years on that committee, that's amazing work. Um, yeah, it's just we hear a lot of the same stories from completely different people on the show and that's something that i've heard often like i learned i was black when i came to north america because <laughs> yeah. it's a made-up kind of thing right it's yeah. not a country yeah. it's not a nationality it's mm-hmm, mm-hmm. a title we were given well I, mm-hmm. I think i think that's what people don't understand about being black and being north america like for example i have the privilege of saying i'm dominican right there's a history there's a thing although quite has its shades and things and problems. Same with Kenya, has its history. But when you're Black and you're Canadian, there's only slavery, Jim Crow. Like, all of this is part of your history. Uh, and 
there there seems to be like even your even your last name because if you are black and you are a loyalist or maybe black from the south in in the united states when you say smith or johnson or red that's that's a slave name that's a slave last name that's not your that that was the last name that the slave owner put on the slaves and because they had their history erased they had to live with those last names forever but that that wasn't their last names so it it gets complicated even even more at that thing and again not to say that you know uh there is a, a bias which there is we kind of know that there is a bias but it, there is also when it comes to like sub subgenders or careers life and things like that then that there's also a bias in that as well so that that's also what we what we hear a lot that there it, it, no matter what field you are there's always going to be that type of bias like oh you're different like but why? I, I went to the same school as you. I did the same courses that you did. I, I passed the same grades that you did. So, like, well, how how am I different than you are? Oh, it's it's the color, right? Like, mm-hmm. so walk us through that. Like, you do the it. When do you actually get to like make you be like a lifestyle blogger and explain us a little bit about that? Like, what is a lifestyle blogger? And what? Yeah. Did that started in school, or did that started before school? Like in Halifax or in New Brunswick, where did that start? It? Yeah. Uh, so it started in Halifax. It, it, it accidentally became a lifestyle blogger. So basically, um, okay, like I, I like to dress up. And so I'd take nice pictures or whatever on Instagram, um, just randomly post as everybody does. And then everyone's like, oh, oh my gosh, like I love your fashion sense. I love your fashion sense. Like, you, should, you should post stuff. You should post more. And I was like, Okay, so just started taking more pictures and posting on Instagram, like just having fun with it. And I was like, okay, I'm just going to blog for fun. And then I started a website, wrote a bunch of stuff, just just for fun. And then, then the more and more I started doing it, I, was, I think that was in 2018. And then, then I remember the company started reaching out to me to like, oh, like we'll pay you to do this and this, or like post this, this, this. We'll send you a free product. And I was like, wait, what? people get paid for this <laughs> and then I was like okay like sure so then I started getting into it more and yeah so initially I'd always post just about like fashion but really my passion is skincare like I love skincare um, I'm very knowledgeable in it um, especially with the pharmacy side of it with the dermatology and um I'm always recommending like skincare regimes for friends and things like that. Or um, so I'm trying to post more about stuff like that. So at the end I was like, okay, but maybe this can be my side hustle. Um, you know, like the, I remember reading the Forbes, like, Oh, the average millionaire has like seven different jobs or whatever. <laughs> or seven streams of, not seven different jobs, seven streams of income. So I was like, maybe this can be one of my seven. <laughs> anyway. So yeah. So I started taking that seriously and having fun with it. And that's pretty much how I got into it. Okay, so that's that's kind of cool that that you said that you you, you it was uh, it was not by mistake but but by just you bump into the whole thing and mm-hmm. and you say that with the skincare so now there's not a lot of you in the maritimes yeah you're black you have a good fashion sense you 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 have this followings and things like that um, what do you think for you? Uh, that you've been in this journey, like, well, you bump into this and bump into that to people that are of color that they're trying to do something like you, whether it's in the health sector, 
uh, or in the fashion blogger, like what would you recommend to them to do as a as a as a person of color in Atlantic Canada? Trying to become a blogger or a pharmacist or anything that you that you've been through. Um. Well, with the blogger, like I want to say, I'm still learning. Like, I, like every day is a learning experience, and it's it's a learning curve for sure. There's so much more things that I didn't know that I every day I'm discovering. But put yourself out there, and it's always always good to have connections, and you know, just be memorable everywhere you go because you really don't know who you're going to meet and how they'll help you in one way or in another. Um, so, if you want to start blogging like don't go and invest in a camera or anything just start with your phone take pictures build your audience build your community stay engaged and be authentic as well because like I remember the and I learned this a hard way too because in the beginning I just post a pretty picture and then I'm like okay but what is my purpose in this so like am I just here to post pretty pictures or what am I trying to do with it so then I stopped blogging for almost a year and I was like okay I'm not going to do this until I figure out what my purpose is so then I realized that I like motivating people and I also like motivating young girls to pursue like careers in STEM and I'm also passionate about skincare. So I was like, okay, this is going to be my purpose on social media. Like I'm going to try and speak th- through this, like about this in my posts. So when I started doing that, I noticed I was actually getting a lot more engagement and things like that. So if you can just be true to who you are and share your passions, people, the right people, the right niche will find you and follow you and to get your engagement because that's at the end of the day like these companies they have the big budgets they're willing to spend the money but it's not about it's not even about how many followers or how many likes it's about the engagement rate so if you have if you go and buy followers and then you have like two comments on your pictures and you don't have an audience that's engaging with your content then they're not likely going to be able to work with you or have like a long-term relationship with you sort of thing and then in terms of pharmacy school um, so basically all you need is two years of a bachelor's in science so you can enter the PharmD program. A lot of the times though, so we have a mixture of people that enter the program. A lot of people already have degrees. Some have the two years that's required. Some have three years and things like that. So obviously a pretty good GPA, um, cause it's very competitive. Make sure you're a well-rounded student. So volunteering in your community things like that um just show that you have other passions and you can time and you manage your time efficiently because pharmacy is all about time management you have to do a lot of things at once and have a lot of attention to to detail as well oh that's that's pretty cool so i will Mm -hmm. say that uh that's that's kind of cool what you're like how you want into it now i i I will ask one last question if you guys want to take uh want to ask another question like what's where's your biggest fan base from like where do you get most traction from do you know my biggest audience is in canada um i'm not sure exactly where in canada had i have to look at that but it's in canada and then then i have a huge from kenya just because back home um and then the rest is sort of random Oh, nice. That's that's pretty cool. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. you guys, uh, Hillary or Clinton, you guys have any question? Go ahead, Hillary. Yeah, I said I have a question. Um, so I'll first of all I'll start off by saying that I'm I surprise I got a blogger on the show, um, and I'm so happy to know all of these other things about you. I think it's really funny. So, um, 
I'll promo now that uh, Kem and I are both doing the 2022 Unity link up. Um, we're going to be speaking about maximizing our so your social media presence. Um, and so like all of the little tips and tricks that Kem just said, I think we're going to be elaborating on on February 12th at 3.30 Eastern. Um, and honestly, like I just, I saw your Instagram. I liked your vibe. I really related to everything you were posting about. And then I Thank was you. like doubly pleased to find out that you were an East coast or, a, or an East coast immigrant who had maybe yeah. the same experiences as me. Um, so I'm really excited to have you on the show. Um, I wanted to ask you a, a sort of funny specific question. Um, I don't know if you'll recall, and I don't know if any of our audience ever paid attention to, um, the drama at the beginning of the black lives matter movement between Sasha Exeter and Jessica Mulroney and how Sasha Exeter really pioneered in that moment for black female bloggers who, and, and influencers and creatives who had to sort of work against these white people in the industry who were getting better deals. Um, and I sort of wanted your perspective on being a, like a, a black person working in that industry where you, you are making content. It's sort of niche. If you find that having that niche helps you find a bigger sense of community, or if you do feel like you are combating white people who are maybe getting better deals, or if you even notice that at all, because you do sound very like in your lane, determined to motivate. And I love that, but I'm wondering if you've ever noticed any like situations or experienced anything like that. Oh yeah, for sure. Sometimes I'd wonder why am I not growing? What is going on? What is going on? And then, so the first time I ever got invited to a blogger, like event in Halifax, I remember. Um, and I went and of course I was the only, the only black person there. And then we got to talk in and, and always good to make connections. So I made really good connections, keep in touch with people and things like that. And then, then I see other events and like some of these big companies like year after year or like every season, every summer, they have this huge event and they'll always invite the same people, like whether or not they're in that niche, it's always a select group of Caucasians. And I'm just like, what is going on? Even if, even if this is my niche, like it, the, the deals will still go to somebody else. And I noticed that happening a lot. And I'm like, what is the problem? And I'm like, okay, whatever, keep it moving. My, my time will come. <laughs> it's all good. But yeah, it's definitely a lot of, even in the blogger industry, like I guess it's everywhere. It's in healthcare. It's in the blogger industry. There's always, I guess, the, like the iniquities. And I, I'm not sure why. Or then... I found out like one time when I got close to one of them and we pretty much kind of have the same following, kind of started at the same time, things on an equal platter. And then I find out like, oh, this is how much they paid you? <laughs> this is how much they paid me. <laughs> oh, and just, just different weird things like that. But I don't know. I don't know if stuff like that will ever change, to be honest, because like, it's, it's just like a cycle. It's, it's definitely, so I'm, I'm in Toronto and it's very similar here where it's the same bloggers, influencers, people who sort of have the money and give it to the fashion industry here. And then are rewarded with like dinners with Dior and going a whole run through and going to all of these places. And so they're, they're the, the vision and the brand and they're the ones at the forefront. And then they, it becomes a very self-serving circle. Also low melanin here, despite it being Toronto, which I always find um, super weird. And I always find it really interesting too, just because we both share a very big passion for skincare. And I, 
there's a whole market there of like how skin is different for black people and how some products could be used in different ways that they are avoiding by having the same white people do the same skin peel yeah. treatments and not talking yeah. about how these different afflictions can look and hyperpigmentation could look on mm-hmm. different people. So it's more of a loss on their part, but I, I do find that really interesting. And that's what Sasha was sort of pointing out was why is Jessica getting paid more than me for like Nespresso? And then they turned around and gave Sasha the deal. So yeah, yeah. it happens apparently to everybody. <laughs> yeah. 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 Sadly. Yeah. Yeah, and it's a it's a big thing in TikTok as well. TikTokers, which we're talking about that black TikTokers get less money, black YouTubers get less money, black mm-hmm. Instagrammers get mm-hmm. less money, uh, mm-hmm. black TV hosts get less money. <laughs> it's, yeah. Just, yeah. it's just like the word, for the, the common scenario is black. <laughs> black, black. No, it's true. And so after I found that out, I was like, I have to increase my rates. So I increased my rates and I'm like, I'm sticking to it. Like, this is what I charge now. Yeah. Cause, and and the, the, the thing is, if you don't talk to others, you wouldn't know that you're getting underpaid because they're not going to tell you how much you're paying person X as opposed to you. Yeah, that's definitely that, that, that's definitely something that uh, we could have a whole subject about that, to be honest with you. Oh, yeah. Uh, we could definitely have a, a whole subject about that. So uh, if they want to find you, where do they go to? If they want to find your blog or what you do? Yeah. Um, so you can find me on Instagram. It's at House of Mora. That's my middle name. So it's House of Mora, M-O-R-A-A. Same on Pinterest at House of Mora. Oh, wow. So uh, I do definitely want to thank you for being here. Uh, we have the whole team. I think... Uh, uh, this was a cool conversation just because the the fact that you were you've been in the Maritimes for quite a while and you kind of have a grasp of what things are. And, then you know, hopefully if you, if you need anything from us, uh, just let us know. Uh, we're definitely here to help. And, yeah, I think uh, we'll definitely give her a follow and hopefully we'll see you grow and grow and see where do you where do you want to take this? I mean, that's, that's, that's that would be thing. What do you want to take this in the next year or two? Yeah. Um, well, first of all, thank you so much for having me. Um, this was a pretty chill conversation and it was nice to be on here. So thanks, Hillary, <laughs> for reaching out. Um, I, had, I had fun with this. Um, but I'm hoping to just grow as much as I can. It's, it's kind of hard right now to put a lot of work into it because I'm currently doing my clinical rotations at the hospital, but I'm, I'm still trying to work on it. Um, so watch out for some more content coming out, hopefully in the next couple of months or so and I just want to be able to share as much of myself and also help people in their skincare journeys or motivate you and show you different ideas of how you can put some certain outfits together and you know we can just grow together as a journey I'm a newlywed recently married so I'll probably be talking about some stuff like that because I know I my recently married friends have so much to share and stuff that we've learned so far even in just a year of being married and what it means different things like that well congratulations been there done that pass <laughs> but uh well, well, well i hope that everything goes well and uh, yeah I'll, I'll definitely take take a follow i might get to trouble again and get married again who knows uh but, don't uh, say that <laughs> I'm, just, I'm just joking i'm just kidding I'm, i know i mean I know. I, it's everything's different so yeah uh so thank you for being with us and again guys if you want to get more of us just uh, subscribe on itunes stitcher apple podcast spotify or if you want to follow us on social media is uh, black in the maritimes and tiktok instagram facebook twitter 
And yeah, uh, donate on PayPal or Patreon. That really helps out the show. So you guys have anything else to say? Um, I will add to come and listen to us talk about social media on February 12th. And the whole the whole Unity Linkup thing is free. It's sort of targeted, targeted towards BIPOC youth, but anyone can watch. There's going to be a weekend about cryptocurrency, social media, community engagement, tons of conversations. But we get to be the two social media gals talking about maximizing your, your content. And all because I do this podcast. So thanks, everyone. <laughs> <laughs> Amazing. Nothing from me. Thank you so much. Um, nothing from me this week, uh, but that was very interesting to listen to. And I'm uh, really glad we got you on the show. Thank you. All right, guys. Peace. Peace. Bye.